And this is from an idea that was presented in the Elder Deacon Preacher Seminar at East Main a few weeks ago. And it was one that I wanted to, to kind of look a little deeper into. And uh, I actually found a couple of articles that went along with it. And so this is what I have put together for our lesson for this morning. We start with the scripture, Acts chapter 14 and verse 23. So when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Now, ever so often I like to pick a lesson that is devoted to the eldership of a congregation. And it kind of has two reasons. And one of those is to encourage the elders that we have. And we do appreciate Brother Kirk and Brother Hugh for all the work that they do for this congregation. We know that it's not easy. Um, but we do appreciate all that they do. And it's a good reminder for them of, of how to serve. And it's a good reminder of us of, of what we should see in the eldership. And today's lesson especially, as we look at what the elders owe the church, uh, we see the, the side from the elder's standpoint of what they need to do and how they need to serve. But we also are going to look today at what the church owes its elders and what we owe them and how we are to serve under them. And both are good reminders for us. We understand from Acts 14.23 and other passages as well that it's God's desire that every congregation of His church be led by a plurality of elders. In the church's infancy, it was imperative that each congregation appoint certain men meeting certain qualifications that they be appointed as elders, also known as bishops or shepherds. And today it is just as important for each congregation to have an established leadership. The Mars Hill congregation is blessed to have capable men appointed to this office. Though not every congregation possesses men qualified to serve as elders, it should be the desire of every congregation to seek men to serve as elders in the future. It is very important to the future of the church. The terms that describe the office of an elder are first of all elder, which gives the idea of someone who is older, someone with experience, someone who has been there and done that if you will. There were elders of Israel. They were older men. They were experienced men that led the nation of Israel. And as we look at elders from a New Testament standpoint, uh, they are considered to be the leaders of the church, the overseers of the flock. We also see the term used in Scripture, bishop. And it's basically defined as one who has the oversight of others for the purpose of directing their labors and securing a faithful performance of the task assigned to them. This term is used in only two occasions, at least in the New King James Version, and both are in reference to the qualifications of elders given in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1. We have varied misconceptions of the word because of its use as an official title, especially in Catholicism. And then there's also the term shepherd. 
One who tends, guides, and protects a flock of sheep. I know there are congregations around us that have, uh, they don't use the term elder as much, but they use the word shepherd. And certainly there's nothing wrong with that. And in reference to the eldership, they are given the duties of tending, guiding, and protecting the flock of God, the church. Our lesson objectives for this morning are for our elders, first of all, to be reminded of the entailments of the duties assigned to them by God. And also to encourage them in their work. To do their very best to be the elders this, this congregation needs them to be. And for our members to be reminded of the responsibilities of the elders and of the burdens upon their shoulders. We should never forget that our elders do have a great deal that they are burdened with at times. And we should be mindful of that. And also to remind us of what we owe our elders for their service and how we can serve God best under their guidance. We look first of all at, at the whole theme of this lesson, what the elders owe the church. And there are some things that elders owe the church. There are some things that they need to be mindful of that the church needs that is something that they can provide. I don't know of a lesson on eldership that would do without the qualifications of an elder. And so we'll start in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1. Those chosen to be elders owe it to the church that they be qualified. And some of the things here that are listed are some things that that they have to work on even in their own lives. Uh, we don't necessarily look for perfection in our elders, although some seem to do that. But we do want them to be qualified. And there are certain things that, that even they have to work on throughout their, their lives. There are certain things that we as Christians have to do the same with. And all of these qualifications are good for us to be mindful of. And even if we can't, actually meet them uh, necessarily. As we look at the husband of one wife, that's not necessary for a Christian, Christian but it is something that needs to be observed. Let's get into the, the text. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1. This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop or elder or shepherd, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous. One who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice lest being puffed up with pride he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. These qualifications are also listed in Titus chapter 1 
verses 5 through 9. Likewise, men who are qualified or may soon be qualified owe it to the church to desire the office. Elders should desire the office that is before them. We're told that desiring the position of a bishop uh, may or not be one of the qualifications of the elders. I've seen it both ways from different men. But even so, whether or not it is a specific qualification, men of the church would do well to strive to meet the qualifications that are listed here. And if a man desires the position of a bishop, we are told that he desires a good work. Eldership of a congregation is a good work. And it is something that we should look to as a good work. I will tell you from my own experience that this is something that I've gone back and forth with in my lifetime. My grandfather was an elder. I saw firsthand some of the things that he went through as an elder. And there was a time in my life where I had no desire to be an elder because I knew what he went through. And that's something that is sad in some ways to see some of the things that they deal with. But it is a good work. It's something that we should all view as a good work and it's something that elders should view as a good work. It's something that prospective elders should view as a good work in all respects. It is a good thing that they do. It is a good office to hold. And so, as we see children growing up, and especially as they become teenagers and young adults, it's something that they should desire as a good work. Because one day, we hope to have young men that grow up to be older men that are willing to serve as elders. But it is a good work. Men who have been selected as elders owe it to the church and especially their respective congregations to uphold the standards of the scriptures intending, guiding, and protecting the flock of God. Those are three terms that we used in our introduction. Tending, guiding, and protecting. By tending especially to the spiritual needs of the church. By guiding the flock, actively teaching their fellow members the truth of God's Word. By protecting the flock from the wolves, the false teachers who might lead them astray from the truth. I will look at each of these individually for a moment. Tending to the flock, first of all. Faithfulness is of the utmost importance to the life of a Christian. It is important that we remain faithful in our lifetime on earth. Obedience to the gospel, the plan of salvation, only qualifies us to run the race. That's something that we noticed last week, I believe. But Christians must choose their level of dedication to God. We can choose to be the average Christian. Or you can choose to be better. We spent a whole month on that. 
But Christians choose their level of dedication to God. Do we want to be fully dedicated? Do we want to be partially dedicated? We make that choice. Hebrews chapter 3 verses 12 through 14. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. First and foremost, God requires of us faithfulness to only Him. Romans 12 verses 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 1 Peter 1 verses 13 through 16 Therefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. We are to keep ourselves pure and holy when we cannot be pure and holy on our own because of our failures. We understand that God has provided the blood of His Son to cleanse us from our impurities. Christ's blood is able to cleanse all who are striving for holiness. Now as we look at our own faithfulness, we understand that elders are to encourage faithfulness and dedication to the Lord and to His Word. It's one of the things that they owe the congregation is to keep them on the path of righteousness, to keep them faithful. They have responsibility to, to the members to keep them in faithfulness. And when they are not faithful, the elders are willing to give them the time and attention necessary to bring them back to God. The elders are responsible for providing means of encouragement to the members. We do this by way of our first day of the week assemblies. Also in our Bible classes and our studies of God's Word. And as they are in those things, those things are great for encouragement. They're, they're meant for edification. But when we look at the, the role of the elders in their own personal encouragement of each member, I'll tell you from a first-hand standpoint that I've been greatly encouraged by our elders on many occasions. Both of them have told me I had a good lesson or, or something good that I've done, and they've encouraged me in that. And, and there are things that, that maybe I've fallen short in, so they've encouraged me to, to do more. They've encouraged me to be a better minister. And for that I am grateful. Elders can be of great encouragement to each of us. And as they speak to us, we also should be encouraging to them. Elders are just as responsible as any Christian to care for the physical needs of brethren. 
Matthew 25, verses 37 through 40. And the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? And when do we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Elders are responsible for this just as us members are responsible for this. We are responsible for looking out for the needs of fellow members of the world too, but but especially those who are members of the church. My brethren, and as much as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. That's tending to the needs of the congregation. Let's look also at guiding the flock. Titus 1 and verse 9 adds this to uh, the qualifications, the list of the qualifications that is given. Holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict. Now not only does he have the responsibility of upholding the word in his own life, but also within the congregation. Elders need to know what is being taught to its members, standing firm against any teaching that might lead them astray. Elders have a great responsibility, especially uh, we see the difficulty in larger congregations to know exactly what is being taught in every class and in every group and in every situation of teaching. But elders are to know what is being taught and they are to assure themselves that what is being taught is the truth. And to know the word themselves. They must be dedicated to studying and understanding the truth as it is given by God. I know that, that even in my time away from here, that there were some situations that arose where I might call Kirk or I might call Hugh and ask them for, for some advice knowing that they were elders of the church. I, I would look to them for guidance in certain things that I don't have knowledge of because of their role in the church. The elders need to know the word. And we're all responsible for knowing the word, but, but elders, uh, in a deeper way, in order to know what is being taught is the truth, they must know the word themselves. And in protecting the flock, We've looked at tending, we've looked at guiding. Let's look also at protecting the flock. I, I want to read the verse that we re read a moment ago. Titus chapter 1 verse 9. But this time I want to read it from the New American Standard. Holding fast the faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching, so that he will be able both to exhort and sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict. I think the wording there is a, a, a little more, a little easier for us to understand maybe what is being said here. Protecting the flock means an elder 
must first be able to teach them the truth, sound doctrine, as is specified here. The congregation being taught the truth is able to determine what teaching is sound and what teaching is false. The congregation cannot rely completely on the hearing and understanding of the elders to determine whether or not what is being taught is true. It's something that they must understand for themselves. Uh, we see it in situations where we might go on vacation. We might be away from the congregation. We can't be reliant on the elders knowing that what is being taught is the truth if we go visit a congregation. In the same way in a situation of a student going to college where they have to find another faithful congregation, elders are responsible for the growth of those individuals while they're in their congregation so that they can know the truth for themselves. So that we, when we go visiting or, or when we find another congregation, we can know that we are worshiping with a sound congregation rather than one that is seeking to change what the Word has said. It's something they must train us for. It's something that, that is part of their responsibility. We can't completely rely on their knowledge and understanding of the truth. We have to know it for ourselves. And they need to be encouraging in that. Elders must be, also be able to refute those who contradict, as is worded in the New American Standard. Philippians chapter 1. Verses 15 through 17 says this, Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. Elders are also appointed for the defense of the gospel. And they must be willing to correct those who teach in error. Or even to stand firmly against those who would defend false teaching. They must ready themselves for the defense of the gospel. Elders must also shepherd themselves. Have you ever thought about that? But elders are responsible for each other just as much as they are for the congregation. In Acts 20 and verse 28, Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which He purchased with His own blood. Their own personal studies and dedication to the Word will help them to guard themselves from things that would threaten their own eternal reward. Some elders are led astray by the influence of the young people of the congregation or the wealthy or the desires of older members or even the desires of their own family members. No matter what others may want in regard to the church, their decisions should only always be based in the Scriptures. Everything that they decide on needs to be according to the Scriptures. 
First Timothy 3 and verse 7 says, Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Elders must guard their own reputations, both within the church and without. One appointed who has a less than desirable reputation in the world would bring this less than desirable reputation upon the otherwise blameless church. The congregation should be careful not to provide the enemy with an opportunity in this regard. Elders must lead by example. As according to 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 3. And in like manner, the elders should guard themselves from trouble. They should also be on guard for the souls of one another. They are responsible for each other and making sure that the other gets to heaven or the others, as the case may be. But now let's turn our attention to what the church owes its elders because there are some things that we owe our elders. Give and take is required in many relationships. We think of it in the marriage relationship between husbands and wives. There must be give and take. There must be compromise at times. Uh, there are going to be different things that we need to to give them and that we need to receive from them also. The same way with parents and children. There's a give and take relationship there. Uh, children take many great lessons from their parents but they also must give certain things as well. We, we see it in friendships and it, without that give and take a relationship, no matter what kind of relationship it is, is going to be difficult to maintain. I've been told, and I don't know this for, from my own experience or anything like that, but with a plane, it's the same way. I remember this being used in a sermon a few years ago. With a plane, it's built to give and take a little bit. In order to remain level and in the air, it can't be completely solid. And you'll see if you look at the design of a plane that there are folds of material and metal and things of that nature. So that there's that give and take. So that the plane can maintain its flight. And so we see that in relationships. That there must be give and take. And within many congregations, members, it seems are more prone to take from elders without giving back. And I hope that, that we're not guilty of that here. They desire support and attention without reciprocating. Uh, they want to be respected without respecting in return. They want their own needs and desires to be fulfilled without recognizing the needs and desires of their leaders. But what do we owe our elders? First of all, we owe it to our elders to place membership. Submitting ourselves to their watchful care. And this is one that I found interesting. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verses 2 through 4. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers not by compulsion, but willingly, nor or not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, 
not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. As wives are to be submissive to their own husband, the church is to be submissive to its leaders. And in that same respect, it's interesting to look at, at the similarities between the husband and wife relationship and that of the church as well with Christ. When we place membership with a congregation, we are submitting ourselves to 